believe God spoke to me today a message that's going to help you get what God has for you. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. I'll give you a dollar if you can tell me who wrote the book of James. <laughs> Somebody say, who? His name is James. And he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. You know you selfish and you saying all that to somebody when you know you could help them out. But you don't give them any, that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Now, wait a minute. That, that's kind of a contradictory statement because I was reading in Romans this week where the Bible says that you, all you need is faith for salvation. And now here's James who seems to be contradicting Paul and saying faith by itself is not good enough. And in and, and, and Romans, Paul saying faith by itself is good enough. Well, they're talking about two different things. James is talking about the church. Paul's talking about salvation. Paul's saying when it comes to, to salvation and having a relationship with Jesus, all you need is faith. But, but James is saying when it comes to the church, what he's basically saying, can I put it in terms maybe you can understand a little better? What good is it for us to come to church every single Sunday and hear a sermon and do nothing about it? What, what, what good is it to have our journal filled with notes we never look at again? What, what good is it for us to hear from God and do nothing? Didn't God create the church to mobilize and move forward his kingdom so that we can take ground in the city and the places that God... What good is it for us to hit, listen to 87,000 podcasts and we don't do anything about it? This is what James is talking about. And he goes on to say, unless your faith produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So he's starting to put faith in categories. I thought faith was just one category. If you got faith, you got faith. But he says, no, uh, it's not if you have faith, you have faith. There's a, there's a category for, for some people's faith, and it's called dead faith. Uh, this is somebody who just believes. And, and then there's another category that he brings up, and, and this is called useless faith. So you can have faith that's dead, and you can have faith that is useless. So if faith can be dead, it can be alive, and if faith can be useless, it can be useful. Your faith is not just designed to believe that God is somewhere up there in the heavens and you just got to do what you got to do and God up, up there. No, your faith is supposed to be useful. It's not supposed to be useless. It's supposed to be useful. And then he, he goes on and says, now, others may argue and say, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? Your faith should be producing something. People of faith should be doing different stuff. People of faith should be... And he goes, I'll show you my faith by the good things it produces. Now, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Dude, James, like... He, he, he keeping it 100. Good for you. Even demons believe that. So now he gives us a third category of faith. Dead faith, useless faith, and demon faith. Wait a minute. 
I don't know which one is worse. He's saying there's a faith that can be dead, there's a faith that can be useless, and there's a faith even demons have. Demons believe Jesus is the Son of God. Good for you. I'm like, whoa. That, that's kind of scary. He says they, they believe that. Demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How, how foolish. Can, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? I want to preach a message called beast mode versus priest mode. Beast mode versus priest mode. And what does beast mode mean? Beast mode represents the people that you, you got to work really hard. You got to go beast mode. You know, that person that you know that you're probably that person or you're sitting next to that person and you work really hard, team, no sleep. All you do is work, 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 work. You wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is check your email. Come on, anybody, you're a beast mode person? Like the very last thing before you go to bed is check your email. You're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll close the deal, da, 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 da. I'm like, yo, man, like, are you going to wind down a little bit before you go to bed? My wife is a beast mode wife. My wife will do a, my wife will be cooking, have a load of laundry, answering the email, telling me I forgot something, like being a mother to the kids. She'll do it all at once. My wife is a beast. Boy, she be going beast mode, and I'm priest mode. I'll be believing for stuff I have no plan on working for. Just, I'm believing though. Some of y'all are priest mode. Some of y'all are beast mode. You need to sit down somewhere. Just running around. You're making me nervous. Just anxious and working all the time and controlling everything. Some of y'all just, you're beast mode. You need to pray. You working too much. Stressing me out. And then some of y'all priests, why you got to be so spiritual all the time? I'm just at the Mexican restaurant trying to eat some carne asada and salsa verde. And you're like, I had a vision about you. Oh, God, man. You got another vision? Can I eat my food? Don't nobody want to hear your vision? How many visions you going to have? I hear from God. How many visions you going to have? Can we eat? I saw you in a, in a gold robe and you was putting on chapstick and the chapstick wouldn't run out and God is saying he's going to moisturize your sermons. What are you talking about, man? Sit down somewhere. Ain't had a job in three years talking about you believing for provision. I'm believing that your pen won't run out of ink as you filling out them job applications. That's what I'm believing for. Praying all the time bragging about it too. These people, I pray, they, I pray five hours a day. That's because you ain't got no job, man. You need to go beast mode. Right? And it's not like one is worse than the other instead of, unless you should be doing one instead of the other. Or if you should be doing both at the same time. How do you know when you should be going beast mode and priest mode? Right? How do you know? I, like, how do you know? We, we, got, we got sports. How do you know if it's more than just working out and you got to believe? How do you know if the sports writers say your team sucks? How do you know if you really don't have this skill? What if you believe more than the other team and then you end up winning games because you believe? I, my, I took my daughter the other, yesterday I coached my daughter's soccer team and there's this like, they, there's this team and they, they have, they're called FC Pride, like weird name. They got this little girl, I'm convinced she's like 15 because she scores seven goals. My daughter's seven, and she just torches us every game. My, my daughter, we show up to the park yesterday, and, and, and my daughter pulls up and sees the team we're playing, and she got tears in her eyes. She said, oh, no. 
I said, and I just started to try to encourage her faith. But on the inside, I was like, y'all going to get killed. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> that team is beat, beat us seven. But I looked at her and I said, you got to believe. She said, but they're way better than us. I said, but yeah, you got to believe that you can win. And we ended up beating the team three to two. Isn't that crazy? Now, if we play them again, we're going to lose. But I'm just saying that one time, no. That one time. How do you know when you're supposed to go beast mode and priest mode? Interesting enough, Noah in the Bible, he, he went beast mode and priest mode at the same time. God told him to build a boat for something that had never happened before. That's priest mode. You're believing for something. God would tell, told Moses to build a boat and it had never rained. And not only did he tell him to build a boat because it was gonna rain and up until that point it had never rained, he, he, he made Noah believe that there would be an abundance of something that had never happened. Did you hear what I just said? God will make you believe that he's going to bring you finances and you've been eating top ramen since. He'll make you believe and he'll make you prepare for it. He'll make you get ready and build a boat. Noah had to build a boat. He had to go both priest mode and beast mode. It's interesting how Noah had to build a boat in the Bible, and that was his beast mode, and, and then, and then, but Peter's priest mode was stepping out of a boat. It's like you just never know, and I believe faith is actually a harder concept, and I apologize if I've gotten up here and hoop and holler and telling you, you just got to believe, because faith is hard. You know why faith is so hard? Because faith is hard to have when things are going really well. Why do you need to have faith? Things are going really well. Faith is also hard when things are going really, really bad. Because if, if, if God's my father and I need a miracle, why would he allow me to be in a situation where I need to believe for a miracle? Why wouldn't he just give it to me? That's how I work in my earthly mind. When my kids say I'm hungry, I don't say believe for a miracle. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. They want a grilled cheese sandwich. They don't want to hear me about my faith. They, and so, so, so we think that God works the way that we work. And so faith ends up being hard to have. And then Noah had to do beast mode and priest mode. Uh, Anna brought up Abraham earlier, and, and God said that Abraham was going to have a son. And Abraham messed up because he went beast mode for real. All God was asking him to do was believe, and he went beast mode. God told Abraham he's having a, a, a son. He looked at his wife. He said, come here, God. See how I'm rubbing my stomach? Ain't nothing attractive about that. Abraham was like, in his robe, sandals wrapped around his cat. Come here, God. God said we're going to have a baby, God. Give me a bottle of wine, girl. Go in the room. Wait on me. Go in the room and wait on me, God. God said we're going to have a son. And then it didn't work. So he looked at it. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. So then he looked at his servant girl and was like, come here, God. I don't know what's going on with her. <laughs> Ended up having a son called Ishmael that was the wrong son, and they, their two families fight and argue to this day. And, and God made Abraham wait 25 years, and what if it's because Abraham went beast mode instead of priest mode? Because here's the thing. Why did God make Abraham wait 25 years? Because in Romans 4, it said God waited until Abraham's body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was as good as dead. God waited, because Abraham kept going, come here, girl. God waited until nothing, can I just, I don't know if there's any kids. 
kids in here, but God waited until Abraham did none work. <laughs> he was just like, go over there, girl. <laughs> it, went from, it went from come here, girl, to go over there, girl. <laughs> Ain't nothing going on over here. Go over there, girl. And he waited for him to, he brought the baby then. When you're like, I want to give up, I want to quit, go over there, it's over. God waited for Abraham to stop going beast mode to where all he had was priest mode. Some of us go beast mode so much, God will put you in a situation where you have no choice but to go priest mode. Some of us go priest mode so much, God will put you in a situation you have no choice but to go beast mode. That, that's why it's so dangerous to fight a battle that doesn't belong to you. Because you'll be too exhausted to fight the one that does. Some of y'all in this season, it's going to be a fight, but in June you was arguing with your mom and them, and now you don't have the energy to do what you got to do in this season because you've been fighting. We're not a war of flesh and blood. We got to submit to the God. We got, you can't let nothing get in the way because, because it hinders what God wants to do. This is the dynamic of going beast mode and, and, and priest mode. Interesting enough, in 1 Samuel 14, there's a passage of scripture that I think describes this perfectly. It, it's, a, it's a guy by the name of Jonathan, and he's, he's a part of an army, and he has an armor bearer. And, and, and watch this story. What hap, watch what happens with Jonathan. It says, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Sometimes you can't tell everybody what God's saying to you. Sometimes you can't tell everybody what God told you. Not everybody's going to believe. Not everybody's going to support you. Not everybody's going to have your back. Not everybody's going to pray. Some people tell you they're going to pray, and then they don't. I've done it. That's not my heart. I just forgot. So he says, I'm not telling anybody, because they're going to tell me not to do it. Right? They went, they went priest mode. They believe. Now, some of y'all need to tell somebody. Whatever your bent is, if your bent is isolation and your bent is not to tell anybody and do it and you hear from God, I get it. You're a prophet. You hear from God. God speaks to you. Uh, you've never been wrong. You need to tell somebody and submit that to somebody. Like, it, and if you actually rely on everybody's opinion to validate yourself, sometimes you might just need to step out. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying one or the other, but whatever your default mode is, if your default is God told me, you probably should have a leader in your life. If you feel like you can't hear from God, you probably need to trust God. It's kind of weird. Beast mode and priest mode, sometimes your default mode, sometimes it's both. But he's, he's saying, I'm not going to tell anybody. And it says, meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gebeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah, the priest, who was wearing the ephod. So back then, they were in a war. They were going beast mode, but they literally had priest mode with them at all times. Says he had the priestly vest on. And Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahita, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sinna. This is not Runyon Canyon. <laughs> this is not. You, ain't, you don't put on no yoga pants and your little Nike boots, or Adidas boots, and go do this. This is literally these two rocky clips. One of them, the side of the mountain, 
the sun would hit it in the scorching part of the day in the Middle East, and it was hard. And it was so steep that the only way to climb it is that you would have to get on your hands and knees. By the time you made it to the top of this mountain, you'd be all kind of jacked up. And the other side of the mountain, if you went that way, was filled with thorn bushes. You'd be all poked up, and neither one of them could you walk up. You'd have to crawl on your hands and knees. So the enemy, the Philistines, um, they believed that God was with Israel, by the way. They believed God would bless Israel. So the enemy's strategy was to put what God had for God's people, they put it in a place that they didn't think that God's people would, would persevere through. They put it in a place that God's people don't have a work ethic to climb this mountain. And that's what the enemy does. If God has a promise for your life, do you know it's guaranteed? It's guaranteed. But what the enemy does is he says, okay, so we can't do anything about what God promises people. Okay, demons, everybody gather around. I got a plan. So God told them he's going to do it. God told them that he has a plan for their life. And we all know that we can't change what God says to people. There's nothing we can do about it. It's going to happen. So the only way we can stop it is, is that if we put around that promises uh, obstacles that believers don't have the work ethic to overcome. We got, we got to make it hard. They'll never crawl on their hands and knees. They'll never keep going. We got to put things in the way that make them want to quit because here's the thing. We've noticed a trend. Demons, are you listening? Hey, pay attention. Are you listening? They, 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 here's what they do. They just go to church on Sundays. They watch a million podcasts and they pray, but they won't work. They won't. They'll never do that. But there were two people, two people who were willing to crawl on their hands and knees to get what God, do you know to get what God has for you in this season? I want to encourage you, it's guaranteed, but you're going to be scratched up, cut up. I'm, I'm being real with you. You ain't going to be like that person that you see jogging at the stoplight waiting for the light to turn, looking all happy. First of all, you only got to push it once. They get on my nerve. If you, you ain't ran far enough if that's how you wait. And we think that, that God's going to ask us to do something and, and the waiting period's going to look like this. No, you're going to be on your hands and knees, cut up, all jacked up, can barely move. You're not even ready for the promise of God to come to pass in your life if you're not exhausted and burned out and skinned up and bruised up. What you thought it was going to look like, a little skip and a hop, and it was, no, 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 no. It's going to take some stuff. Jonathan, his armor bearer, knew we're going to have to get on our hands and knees. We're going to have to get cut up. We're going to have to get scratched up. We, we, we need to do this if we're going to get what God has for us. So he says, they went. They went. And, and watch this. He says, to reach the Philistine outpost, they had to go between two cliffs. So they got scorching heat and thorns everywhere. And he says... Let's go across to the outposts of those pagans. They don't believe in God. We do. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us. Now that's priest mode. You ain't going to have me doing nothing on no perhaps. <laughs> Imagine one of the homies, Omar, like, yo, man, let's go over here right quick. Perhaps the Lord will bless us. Oh, wait, hold on, man. You say perhaps? 
Did you say for sure or did you say perhaps? Because I thought you said, first of all, I never heard you say perhaps before, but like, did, did you say perhaps? You know what I mean? Like, can you, what leader, would you follow a leader that even used the word perhaps? Hey, y'all, I need y'all to give, I need you to serve. Perhaps the Lord's going to do something. <laughs> this dude said, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. I can be hindered, but God is never hindered. God is never lacking. I could feel like I'm in lack, but God, he says nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win, he is, boy, this speech is cold. He said, he can win a battle whether he has many warriors or a few. His armor bearer said, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. And Jonathan was thrown off by his answer. He didn't think he was going to say yes, because his next line was like, all right then. <laughs> you went for that. All right then, Jonathan told him. And then he just like freestyled a plan. He said, we will cross over and we will let them see us. Okay. You got two people against an entire army. My plan would be I'm gonna sneak up from the back. I'm gonna sharpen a little stick and they ain't gonna see me coming and I'm gonna come from the back like, nang, nang, nang. you know what I mean? Like, shagak, shagak, kakak. I'm, I'm not gonna. He said, no, 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 we ain't gonna come. We ain't gonna come from the back. Hey, let's, let's let them see us. I know the armor bearer wanted to take his yes back. What do you mean, man? What do you mean, let them see us? We gotta come from the back and go, we can't let them. He says, let's, I got a plan. We'll cross over and we'll let them see us. But watch this, if they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. <laughs> but if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. What? <laughs> if you're operating in beast mode and priest mode fully, God can give you a plan where you go, what? <laughs> and when you're not in beast mode and priest mode, you keep asking God for a better plan. Because how could being broke be the pathway to wealth? That's a bad plan. I'm so broke, but you're telling me that I'm going to... Well, didn't God tell... Know where to build a boat for something that never happened, and that not only would that thing that never happened happen, but it would happen in abundance. What kind of plan is that? See, when you go beast mode and priest mode, you don't need a better plan. You, you, you're a beast and a priest, God can give you a bad plan. Do you know that my journey to be the pastor of this church was the worst plan I've ever heard in my life? <laughs> Literally, in 
2010, God said, okay, so here's what I need you to do, Julian. I need you to break up with your girlfriend of 11 and a half years. I know you've been living together. I know you love her. I know you haven't been to church in 10 years, but I have a plan for your life. And I'm going to make sure you lose everything along the way. You're not going to have the publishing deal from the music. You're not going to have the sales or the commission from the job, but don't worry. I got a plan. I'm going to need you to look for a job. You're going to look for 10 different jobs. You're going to get none of them. So much so that you're going to have to get a job as a telemarketer in Thousand Oaks. Yes, you will have to commute, but I'm not going to give you the gas money to be able to get out there. I'm going to make you rely on some of your friends and some of your people in your life to make sure you can get to the job that you hate. But I got a plan. There's going to be a Jewish man by the name of Phil Katz at that job who's going to teach you leadership. And then all of a sudden, you're going to find a church called Oasis. You're going to get invited to a men's connect group, and they're going to be singing Kumbaya barefoot. But don't worry. I'm going to fill you with God's spirit. And then I'm going to have you meet a girl named Christina that you can't afford to take on a date, but she's going to believe I have a plan for your life, so don't worry about it. You're going to get married in a year, and then you're going to decide that, 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 and then you're going to decide that you should wait to have a baby, but too late, you're already pregnant. And by the way, you're not going to have health insurance for four months because I don't, haven't provided for it. And then, but don't worry, I am going to provide, but through your wife, not you, because you still have some pride in that area. So the first two years, your wife is going to make a lot more money than you, but don't you worry because it's time for you to go to Oasis and start to serve. Not in elementary where you would feel more comfortable and where that's your gift is, but you're going to serve in the infants and you're going to have to watch kids poop and spit up on you, but don't worry about it. Some white man by the name of Philip is going to take you under his wing and then you're going to be a pastor and then you're going to go start serving and then you're going to get a job on staff and you're going to make $32,000 getting a job on staff, which is fourth less than what you've made in your entire life. But don't you worry, I have a plan for your life. And then Philip's going to see something in you. And then Holly's going to see something in you. And then you're going to be a pastor and you're going to get ordained. You're not even going to know what ordained means. And then five years later, you're going to be a lead pastor. I came here to tell somebody it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. The pain, the discouragement, the failure, the backstabbing, the betrayal, it is all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. What part of that plan sounded good to you? Just Christina. That was it. What part of that plan would you pray to happen for you? Here's the thing. You know how many times I've heard congratulations in the last month? I said this. I'm going to keep saying this forever. People, you're a lead pack. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, when I was telemarketing, I wish somebody would have told me congratulations. Because little did I know that, that was all part of the plan. And I thank you for saying congratulations, but you are late to the party. Because God's been, that whole time, I wish somebody would have told me congratulations. So here, I'm going to do you a favor. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're a telemarketer. I don't know if you're discouraged. I don't know if you're in pain, but I've been sitting here by God to tell you congratulations. God is going to use it all. It is all part of the plan. He's trying to teach you how to go beast mode, and, and, and priest mode, and, and he'll remove the thing that you rely on the most. That's why I don't rely on money, because I don't want God to take it. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. 
I, have, I don't love money. I hate being broke, but don't make no mistake about it. I put no faith in money because I ain't trying to have God take it. Every time I put something above God, he always come and get it. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't kill it. He just said, let me hold that. You got too much faith in that. You know why you went through that broke up, breakup with that boyfriend? Because you said he was your rock. He's my rock. God was like, I thought I was your rock. Blew up. Sometimes you got to lose what you thought a rock was a rock to find out it was never a rock to begin with. You got to be careful what you put before God. God will always call a drought in the area you put before him. I hate that too. So it's, and it's harder actually sometimes when you're a pastor. Because sometimes you, I'm a pastor, I can go priest mode, right? God's like, nah, man, you got to work hard in this season. We got invited to something the other day, and uh, I told my wife, we ain't going to that, man. I don't want to go to that. She's like, babe, we just took over a church. We got to go to everything. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm getting ready to preach. And my wife is like, we got to go beast mode. We got to go to everything. We got to go to, we got we to gotta go so hard. We got to go so hard. The church got to stop chilling. You believing for stuff that you're not even willing to work for? Like, come on, we gotta, we gotta, this has gotta change, man. This will change your life. You, this will change your life. Because the thing about it is, you gotta ask God which one. It's like, I, I wish I could give you like a, you know, five steps to understanding beast mode and priest mode. But I'll just give you this simple thing that whatever your default is, do the other one. If your default is to pray five hours a day, work. If your default is to work hard and stress, like I believe that God is not blessing anxious work in this season. He's not. He's like, I can't, I can't have, I can't have anxiety because in the last season, because of my grace, I blessed it, and now you think that works. When I was just being kind. God wants to get rid of anxiety. Everybody has all this fear. Just has so much fear. And, and, and fear is not the opposite of faith. Like fear and faith are married. They, they go together. Like faith is what you do in spite of fear. It's not the absence of fear. And so your, your faith will will kill your fear or at least put your fear in check. You ask God, is this something I'm supposed to believe for or work for or both? He'll, he'll answer you because he's been answering me about the church. I'm, I'm so, you guys, I'm so priest mode. I will pray and believe. I'm believing for a house. Somebody prophesied over me that I'm going to get a house. And let me tell you something. I said in Jesus' name, I don't care what the housing prices are. I know we rent now, but in Jesus' name, the low family will absolutely have a house. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Until I went on Zillow. My faith was gone. I started seeing all them zeros on them house prices. I started looking. 
God said, no, you, went, you tried to go beast mode, and now you're discouraged. I just wanted you to believe. So that's what happens. God tells you something, and you're trying to, and I didn't check. I just went to look, and I started doing all the work. And God said, no, 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 no. I didn't want you to go beast mode. I just wanted you to, to go priest mode. And then some of you, the first thing you do is like, okay, what are we going to do, God? You, go, you know there's this beautiful verse in the Bible where God told David that someone from his family line would sit on the throne forever. And you know what David did? He sat before the Lord. He went priest mode. He didn't try to control it. He didn't try to manipulate it. He just, this is a hard thing to do, y'all. But I believe if we press into this, this next three years is going to be unprecedented for your life and for us as a church. I'm telling you. There's this interesting scripture in, in, in Luke 18, verse 8, that talks about faith. And it talks about Jesus coming back. And it says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But will the son of, when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? God's not saying he's going to line up all your shows you produced and all your Grammys and all your profits from your business. He's not going to line up all your employees and all the, your degrees. He's not going to line all that up and say, he's going to say, can, is there anybody in any faith? What, what I think that's crazy about that is two, two people could have the exact same thing. And God says, but this one got it with faith. God's not just happy about what you get. He's happy about how you got it. Did you get it because you believed God? And I, I would go as far to say that unless you believed for it, you won't enjoy it. You'll control it and you'll protect it. And how you know you have something and your faith is right is that if you didn't have it, you'd be good. I got to be okay if I never preach again. And many pastors are not. I'm okay. If I never preach again, I'm okay. You ain't gonna have me, 90 years old, and 18 people more anointed than me, and I can't let it go. That's one of the things I, I admire so much about Pastor Philip. Like, he still, he can still preach. And he said God told him that he, he needs to let that, that part, not preaching, but let the, the leadership of the church go. And I'm like, dang, you didn't wait until you let it go because you didn't have the strength to hold it? You let it go out of surrender? That's, in, that's inspiring. He could have kept going priest, beast mode, and he went priest mode. And he said, he said this, I'll go priest mode, and you go beast mode. And then our, my priest mode and your beast mode combined together, and your little, because you got a lot of beast mode left, and I got a lot of priest mode left, and maybe God will do something even more. How? That's what God's looking for, y'all. He said, I need somebody with some faith. But then in Luke 10, verses 1 through 2, this is an interesting prayer that Jesus prayed, and I find it to be unbelievable that Jesus would have to do this as much as he brought to the world in three short years. He said, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. He said, I can find a bunch of people that will watch podcasts and watch sermons and be super deep and I can't find anybody to work. I can find a bunch of people who are believing for salvations, but I can't find anybody who wants to go to Grove Track. I can find a bunch of people who are saying, when are we gonna do the campus? I can't find a bunch of people that wanna give to it. I, I need some workers. 
And he's like, so can you pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field? And I felt like there was a little bit of pride in me with even like the things that I feel like God's telling me as a church because I, deep down I want to feel like if I live my life right, God's going to do it. But you know what? We need workers. And I don't, can I be honest with you? I don't want to rely on you. I've had too many people that, that have let me down. And can you be honest with yourself? You don't want to rely on me. You don't want to think that by being involved in this church and being under this leadership that that, that could actually, that's the one thing you might be missing. You don't want to, we don't want to rely on each other. And here's the thing, we want to rely on Jesus. Right? But unfortunately, Jesus left. He wept, then he left. And he said, hey guys, it's better for you if I go. If I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. So here's the thing. How is Jesus going to move and do all this in us? I know you'd be super happy if Jesus was coming here to speak next week, but I got to be honest with you, he thought I was a better idea. I know you're praying for God to move in the entertainment industry, but got to be honest with you, Jesus thought you were a better idea. I know you're praying for God to move in politics and move in finance, but Jesus said, no, you're a better idea. He said, it's better for you if I go. He said, you know what? I could do this myself. I don't want to. Instead, I'm going to choose some people. I'm going to put my spirit in them. And it's a better idea if they're here than me. And I will go sit down in heaven and I will pray for them that they would allow the spirit of God, me in them. He's like, you guys are the new me. It's Jesus in you. How many people feel like this world is losing hope and need God to move? Do you know the Bible says we need God's glory, which means God's goodness to sweep across the world? You know what the Bible says? That Christ in you is the hope of glory. Stop watching the news, shaking your head, saying, God, when are you going to do something about this? He's saying, I did. 